This is Negotiate X Podcast, show number 48, part A. You're listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online. Hello and welcome to the Negotiate X podcast. I am your host and co-founder, Nolan Martin. With me as usual is my good friend, Aram, the other co-founder, co-host of Negotiate X. And I'm pretty sure we got a pretty awesome guest for today lined up, Aram. We do. Go yeah, I'm <laughs> going to jump in. So yeah, we absolutely do. You know, one of the things that Nolan and I pride ourselves on, bringing in people with different perspectives, different worldviews, being able to, to hear from a variety of folks. And today uh, I'm excited to introduce our guest, Jay Pay Leitner, the author of Don't Take the Bait, to escalate conflict is inevitable being a jerk is optional you know <laughs> there are too many books with jerk in the title but especially from a christian author so I'm, I'm excited to jump into this let me say a little bit more about jay and then i'm gonna i'm gonna turn it over to him jay's a prolific writer he's written more than 25 books sold more than a half million copies now jay spent a decade in market advertising for airlines and beer that must have been a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> along the way, he learned how uh, people think while doing a lot of fun work. He then felt a calling into Christian media and he became a freelance producer for Josh McDowell Radio, Today's Father, Jesus Freaks Radio with Toby Mack and, and Michael Tate, and Project Angel Tree with Chuck Colson. A longtime affiliate with the National Center for Fathering, mm -hmm. Jay is a nationally known motivational speaker for Iron Sharpens Iron marriage conferences, men and women's retreats, and writers' conferences. During the pandemic, Jay co-founded Benevolent Think Tank with eight fellow altruistic and creative partners. Jay and his high school sweetheart, Rita, live in Chicago, where they've raised five great kids, loved on 10 foster babies, and are cherishing being grandparents. And if I'm correct, seven grandchildren. Is that right, Jay? Uh, eight. Eight now. Eight. Congratulations. Jay, thanks for being with us today. Well, uh, Nolan and Aram, uh, Aram, I got your uh, email a little bit ago, and it's like, man, this is a great organization. This is stuff that needs to be said. So I'm privileged to hang out with you for a little bit here. Let's uh, help some folks de-escalate conflict and negotiate better. We can do that, I think. I hope so. <laughs> Absolutely. So first, I want to kind of jump in here and talk about the book. Don't take the bait to escalate. First off, phenomenal title. Great job. But kind of what was your inspiration to really get into conflict resolution. You just look around, man. There's, there's conflict all over the place. <laughs> really? I am, you know, after writing a bunch of books, you, you you start to talk to people and they are hurting. People, so many people are hurting in the middle of conflicts that they don't know how to deal with and they're frustrated by it. And you've got, uh, you got COVID, you got politics, you got, you got racial unrest, you got family squabbles, you got Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving dinner tables that where people are just, uh, don't even show up anymore because it's so frustrating. <laughs> uh, you got uh, Ukraine, although the book was written before that. And uh, I came to realize that there's, there's so much of that, even within my own extended family. My own, my core family is fine, but 
and I wanted to use my gifts. I mean, we all have our gifts. And I, I, I write books. It's like I'm going to write a book on conflict. The, uh, kicking around with my, my publisher, they came up with the title, Don't Take the Bait to Escalate. I'm going, that's perfect. But <laughs> yeah. it was, it's a little, it's like, what is it really about? So the, we had to make the subtitle work pretty hard and be pretty clear. The subtitle was, is Conflict is Inevitable. And everybody you know is nodding their head that. Conflict right. is Inevitable. And then the, the second part of the subhead was, and we have to find a nice way to, to get through it. We have a, had to find a nice way to deal with it. But instead, we came up with being a jerk is optional, um, <laughs> which says that, uh, which says that, that exact thing. So all that to say, to answer your question, I saw a conflict. I know my gifts is, is writing and, and doing some research and kicking around ideas. And uh, so far, I'm getting feedback from readers now. The book's been out just a few months, and we're making a difference. So that's the important thing. And, you know, it reminded me as you were just talking about that. One of the heavy influencers on the work we do was a gentleman by the name of Roger Fisher wrote getting to yes back in, uh, I believe it came out in 1980 yeah. or 1981. But Roger Fisher used to say, we've got to find a way to, to disagree without being disagreeable. Hmm. And, and I think that implies a lot of what your subtitle does, right? Conflict is inevitable. And I, and, and we'll dig into some of how people feel about that. How we respond to it is is a choice, you know. So you know, you know, I'm going to even push back a little bit on that if I can. You know, please what? do. Much of my book and much of my attitude is let's try to get people on the same side, listen to each other, and a little empathy. Empathy is so critical. So it's like we're going to agree to disagree, and then we're going to hate each other and go our separate ways. Let's see if you can help to understand each other. As Great. I talk talk with my hands here, now let's see. <laughs> let's see if we can. You know, you see my side, I see your side, and we're not we're not, we're not going to agree. But you know what? Maybe if you can see where I'm coming from, that's going to help a lot, so that we can sit at a at a in a conference conference room together. We can you know be political leaders and and share ideas and come across the aisle, and uh, and hang out and have a have a cold beverage sometime together and enjoy each other's company still. So there you go. That's, that's kind of a, I like uh, that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks. Thank you for the correction. I, I, I think that was, that's a, that's a good, that, that was a good way to, to, to tune what I was saying. You know, all our listeners have a diverse background of faith, Jay. And, and I think as I look across and Nolan and I haven't, haven't worked in the middle East and elsewhere worked with, with folks of a lot of different faiths, almost all faiths talk about conflict in some way, shape or form. You shared a number of ways we see it in the world today, from international to national to the family family table. What's your take? Is 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 conflict a bad thing? And and, and should a person who consider themselves spiritual avoid conflict at all costs? Uh, I'm going to set aside the spiritual question for a second and just come down right down, down to the root of the matter and say conflict is a good thing. Conflict is what is what. Uh, uh, makes products improve and people dig deep and do their best and, and such. I do marriage conferences, uh, lead marriage conferences, and there might be uh, 50 couples out there in an audience. We're talking maybe this uh, second day into the conference. I'll say, hey, how many of you couples have hit bottom in your marriage? And about half of them will raise their hand. And then I'll say, ain't it great? And they nod their heads. They know exactly what I'm talking about because Boy, if you've been married six or eight or 10 or 20 years, if you haven't had one time when you kind of hit bottom and were forced to, to look at each other and say, we got to make this work, that's where your strong marriages come from, hitting bottom. 
So uh, in that sense, conflict is a good thing in marriage if you come together and work it out. Uh, you think about a manufacturer who sends a defective product out. That's conflict right there because you could lose a customer right there. But if you have a great customer service department and takes care of that problem right away, you've, you've got a customer for life then. And suddenly that conflict, it's almost like you want to kind of plan to send out the defective products once more. <laughs> and then if you, can, if you can solve that crisis quickly, I'm not recommending that. Right. That's <laughs> <Good>. how... <laughs> Do they do that? They, they might do that. Someone, some company smarter than me might do that. <laughs> a slightly defective product, and oh, never mind. No, that, not. Anyways, there are other examples. Um, uh, if I, I'm just going to jump, another one here would be: think about the two best athletes on a high school baseball team. Those two boys, let's say, they both want to play shortstop. They both want to be the heroes of the team and and bad cleanup. Well, a good coach is going to see that conflict. And make the whole team better. Not just those two boys, but the whole team is going to be elevated because they see how hard those guys are working to be to be the uh, the the star of the team. They're starting shortstop, uh, and one will pitch and one should play. They'll, they'll figure it out. And then those two boys, and I've seen it in my own life because I have four boys who play baseball. The, those two, the bo- two boys in the team, they're going to be best friends yeah. because they're working at each other. They're, uh, so again, conflict. If you look at it from the other side. It doesn't have to drag you down. It can challenge you to greatness. I love I love all that. I, I personal story from high school cross country. One of my best friends, even to this day, every practice was like the state tournament. And um, and and, <laughs> and guess what? At state, he was fourth, and I was fifth, and our team won the state cross country championship. He, he was fourth, and you were fifth. Ah. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but our team, our team, because yeah. we pulled people won. I also listen to what you said about you know marriage, and it does apply. I love how you, you talked about the application to business, but the strength of a relationship is really. You know how strong it is, not by the fact that there's no conflict, right, or there's no mistakes, but it's how you handle those things, yeah, right? right? And that right. tells you how strong things are. Uh, well, another uh, a conflict, and this will hit this will hit close to home with many of your uh, your viewers, listeners. Your you might have an alcoholic in your family, and that intervention that they recommend mm-hmm. is yeah, that's the definition of conflict right there. Sure, but if it's done right with empathy. Uh, and, and, and a good uh, a good uh, leader in that situation. I mean, God's going to come in. God is going to enter that that situation and work a miracle in that guy's life. But it takes that conflict to do that. And uh, I got to go to uh, James in, in uh, the New Testament, that trials of many kinds test your faith and produce perseverance. Trials produce perseverance. So, again, uh, conflict is is a good thing if you approach it the right way. All right, so wanted to start jumping in into the book, Jay, and I wanted to kind of describe the four factors. How do you, they help someone navigate conflict? Well, even in some of the examples we just did. But yeah, let me give you the four factors that work for in business and in family relationships and any conflict. One would be decide what you really want. Uh, if, if you're in a conflict, decide what you really want. And a good example of that would be early in my marriage, terrible, terrible, tremendously horrible conflict with my wife. She liked creamy peanut butter and I liked crunchy peanut butter. Now, can you imagine? She's clearly wrong, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't say, I can't say that. (laughs) All right, go ahead. (laughs) But, uh, but, uh, so what, what do I really want? I want my, my crunchy peanut butter. 
But what I really want is to start my marriage off right. I want to uh, love, have my. I want some extra smooches from my new bride. That kind of thing, if you know what I'm talking about. So what? I, so um, so okay. Decide what you really want, because it's not the crunchy peanut butter. It's the solid marriage. And then second would be to, to know the risks. Again, the four factors. Decide what you really want. Know the risks. And the risk would be if I'm a jerk about this whole thing and do what? Yeah, you're wrong. Yeah, crunch, uh, we only we're only gonna have crunchy peanut in my house. God darn it. <laughs> Well, then she goes home to mom and the marriage is over. Come on. I mean, that's, there's, there's risk to any conflict and you got to realize that. And then the third thing, uh, third factor is empathize with your adversary. Wow. You know what? The fact that my wife likes creamy peanut butter, that is not sinful or terrible or horrible. Uh, as a matter of fact, I guess she likes that. So I'm going to empathize, see where she's coming from a little bit there. And then fourth is expect the win which means that we're going to take the, the long view and see that if we work in our marriage, if we work on our problem, whatever this conflict is, that we should really be able to see how God uses it and how uh, our relationships can be better and how we can uh, turn that into a win. But God, in his sense of humor, in that particular example, our initial, uh, our initial reaction was, well, we're going to, uh, I'm going to be very magnanimous and uh, we're going to go, every other jar is going to be uh, crunchy and then creamy and then when we run out of crunchy we'll get a jar of creamy so that'll be the, that'll be the way that we deal with this huge conflict in our marriage but god in his infinite wisdom we were in uh in the in the uh, grocery aisle peanut butter aisle and uh we said oh there's we still have a half a jar of crunchy at home so we should buy creamy now and then we came home and put Two jars next to each other, <laughs> so you can buy two jars of peanut butter. Crazy, 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 yeah, crazy, unbelievable. So, Jay, I gotta tell you. So, this example, sorry, this example resonates with me on multiple levels. Okay, <laughs> my wife and I have been, been married 19 years in October. I don't know where you were 19 years ago, but I really could have used your insights because one of our first arguments was when she brought home a jar of creamy peanut butter, not because that's what she preferred, but she didn't know what I liked. Okay. And we still laugh to it to this day because I was like, I, I was, I was aghast. I was, how could you get creamy peanut butter? That's, <laughs> that's not even real peanut butter. Okay. If it doesn't have the nuts in it. And so we laugh about it to this day, but, but going further to your point that you just made my grandparents. Okay. For years, my grandmother, and we, we heard the story after my grandfather had passed away, but we're, we're talking, I think we may have shared our story. So it's just funny that all this seems to be around peanut butter. She said for years, my grandfather preferred smooth, so she would buy smooth. And it wasn't until one day the light came on, as it did for you, she said, you know, we could have two jars. <laughs> Sometimes in your conflict, in any conflict that you're that anybody's dealing with, the answer is just real easy. If you take a step back, mm. and again, you got to do the four factors. Decide what you really want. Uh, know that there are risks involved empathize with your adversary and say, is there a way that we can make this work? Now, some often there's not. So you, you have to dig deeper and, and, and do some true negotiation. But, uh, uh, you know, be, uh, be optimistic. Expect the win. And uh, you should be surprised how often you get that. So, Jay, part of what makes people uncomfortable with conflict is that sometimes it just feels like it comes out of nowhere and we're kind of being ambushed by it. Do you think we can actually anticipate conflict? And if so, how might being able to anticipate it help us manage it more effectively? 
I, I think uh, uh, conflict, as we kind of already said, is, is part of life. We need to go into it, uh, and every time we we meet somebody, we're not looking for we're not looking for trouble, but we need to know that people are coming from different perspectives on problems. Uh, we don't want to, you know, uh, you have a choice when you come up with a conflict, minor or large, to either escalate or de-escalate. Sometimes we assume the worst. That may, you, know, you assume the worst you meet somebody, ah, they're going to be a jerk about it. Or uh, sometimes we assume that we have all the answers, and that's a, that'll lead to conflict, certainly, when we don't. If we, if we empathize and listen, uh, sometimes we act too uh, uh, Conflict comes up, we act too quickly. Without, let's make solve it. And sometimes we uh, don't act quickly enough. I started a big campfire in the, my side yard, and the the wind took the uh, the smoke around the corner into my neighbor's back porch where they were uh, meeting with friends. And uh, the, the my neighbor came over and said, well, Jay, what's going on? And we, we had a little spar back and forth. And he left, and, and the, the, the smoke went away. But an hour later, I went over and, and I apologized to him. I mean, you act, sometimes you, just, you know, right away, you just act quickly. I want to apologize. It wasn't a big deal, but... And so then we're fine then. Otherwise, the next time I see him in the driveway, two days later, he's grumbling at me or I'm grumbling. It's like, no. So don't, don't act too quickly sometimes. But sometimes act really quickly. Do a quick apology. It's amazing how sometimes that de-escalates conflict. So that's just one example. So listen, forgive, apologize, you know, bring calm to the situation. There you go. Well, it feels like because in your book you talk about these three mistakes that 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 we often we we're, we tend to make, and it feels like when we get kind of knocked off and we don't, we're not anticipating it. It catches us by surprise. You know, these three mistakes you talk about are you know we start to cast blame, we make very snap decisions, and then the inter the third one is really interesting, right? We insist on a compromise, and and I don't know if you want to say any more about the kind of these mistakes that we we kind of tend to fall into, and why you think we just need to avoid them. Well, uh, very interesting. We always think that in a negotiation that we have to find a, a compromise. And we, many times when it comes to money or, or time or schedule, m- money, it does, we need to think about a compromise. But in many other cases, a compromise is the worst thing you can do. He, you want, he, he wants that and you want that. Oftentimes there's, there's a third, a third uh, option that, that you can agree on. It's not in the middle, but it's an entirely different option. But uh, you know what? Let's say uh, that you really love Italian food and your wife likes Mexican food. You know what? I think go to the Mexican restaurant. Just be magnanimous. Go to go to the great Mexican restaurant with the authentic Mexican food. Uh, do that. And then maybe sometimes she'll say, hey, let's go to your favorite Italian restaurant. Now, a compromise would be you go to Denny's <laughs> and get their Italian dish or their or their Mexican dish. In, <laughs> And nobody wins in that one. You see, you see the, the difference there? You yeah, you might you might be up all night, too, um, <laughs> with, with, that, with that solution. Or I don't want to offend any of your listeners here, but let's say he wants to live in Seattle and she wants to live in Miami. Well, you could compromise and live in Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> and again, I'm sure you have some listeners in Topeka. I don't want to offend them. But the point is that I look for, you know, sometimes look for the third answer. Yeah. Don't insist on the compromise. And again, uh, the, the, my book kind of covers all that, but I, I, I'm not necessarily selling the book here. But you got to deal with these all these kind of things. 
So I want to kind of go back to something you had talked about, and that was the the option to de-escalate or escalate a situation. Is it really that simple when we think about the kind of choices that we have during conflict? Well, you're making me think of uh, uh, my, when my mentor was a negotiator for the big three automakers back in the day. This is in the 70s. So he's, a, he's an older guy now. But back in the 70s, he was a negotiator for the big three automakers. And um, they knew that they had, had their contract was up on a certain date. And they would start negotiating. They would get in. They would rent rent hotel rooms and be uh, uh, one. The the automakers would have a representative over here. And the union guys would have representatives over here. And they would meet supposedly, but they didn't meet. They would just kind of uh, delay, 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 because they knew it would be the last few days before the uh, before the contract was up that they would finally come to the table and negotiate. And my friend remembers this. Uh, Mike remembers this one time when uh, they had, were supposed to meet every negotiate every weekend and they'd all be locked in these hotel rooms for for week for every weekend and at one point on a on a friday morning he said you know what guys to his team you know what guys let's just go home let's spend the weekend with your family the next morning in the newspapers was mike penny cancels negotiations <laughs> and and uh, and uh, he got he got in deep weeds for that cuz his job was to to stay in those hotel rooms till the contract was done all that to say, uh, back to the idea of conflict is going to happen. We need to expect it to happen. Uh, if I'm making any sense here, uh, that's just one, one of the stories that, that, you, that you brought to mind with your question. No, so that was a great story there, Jay. Really interesting to see how that one played out for him. So what was the outcome? Did he, uh, did he get in trouble or did it, did it all get resolved? His, bo- his bosses at the big three automakers knew what he was doing. He knew, he knew that, that it was fine. There was later on, actually, there was in his career, there was a, at least one strike where he had to, he had to, you know, dig deep and, and make some great concessions kind of thing. But uh, no, that's all part of the game. It turns out to be all part of the game. Everybody knows what's going on. Uh, so he didn't lose his job, but he got, he got his wrist slapped because he had to get his wrist slapped, and he everybody knew what was going on. So that's all part <laughs> of the negotiation dance. Sometimes, which I'm sure many of your uh, many of your managers who are listening right now can negotiate. It's a dance, and uh, you kind of got to expect sometimes going in that there are risks. But again, know what you want, uh, decide what you really want. Know there are risks. Empathize with the other side, and uh, kind of expect the win. Because you know what, the cars. Are going to keep rolling off the the line. They're going to, they're not going to stop making cars in 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 Detroit. At least back in the seventies. Maybe they will these days. I don't know. <laughs> hey everyone, Nolan here. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I have to jump in and end it right here. So sorry, but please be sure to join us next week as we continue our conversation with Jay. Thank you for listening to Negotiate X Radio helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online.